welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello and welcome to episode 254 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Hey, I want to ask you a favor. Are you subscribed to the podcast? That means so much to me. And if you're not familiar, if you have the iTunes app or Stitcher app or any podcast app, you can subscribe to the show. So if you go to the show page in your podcast app, right below the title is my name. And then there's a purple letter box that says subscribe. Click that purple button and you'll be all subscribed. And if you've already subscribed, it won't be purple anymore. And the files that I create are super slim and so they don't take up a lot of space. If they're automatically downloaded, that also means that when you're going on a walk or in the car, you're not using data and... You know, nobody wants to get that alert that they're getting close to their data limit. So it would mean so much if you would subscribe to the show and it helps new friends to find the show as well. Guys, I have a great episode for you today. We're going to talk about race and talking to our kids about differences. My guest is Darina Williamson. She is a mom of grown kids now, but she's going to help walk me through how to educate my kids about race. As a black family, she has a much different life experience than I do, and she has also written some children's books to help bridge this gap about talking to our kids about this really important topic. So if you've been wanting to cover this topic with your kids and you don't have all the answers, listen into today's episode and be sure to tag a friend if they could use this conversation as well. I cannot wait for you to get to know Darina Williamson in this conversation. So let's get to it with Darina. All right, I want to welcome Darina Williamson to the show. Hi, Darina. Hello there. Where am I speaking to you from today? Where are you located? I am in Franklin, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. Awesome. That's great. I'm on the other side in Southern California. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Well, it is just such a treat to be chatting with you today. You are a new author. Is this colorful, your first book? It sure is. <gasps> Yay, congratulations when my boys Thank opened you. up the mail because they always assume they feel the package and they're like, if this is a book, it could be for us. And so then they open it and I have three boys, eight, six, and two, and they saw these beautiful pictures and diverse characters and it has been such a great conversation book for our family and so I just want to thank you for that. Oh, that. Thrills my heart. That makes my heart happy. That's exactly what I want for Colorful. Love it, love it, love it. Well, let's start at the very beginning for you, Darina. Tell me a little bit about who you are, your family, and the beginnings of motherhood for you. Well, I am blessed to be married to the most amazing preacher pastor in the world. Of course, I'm biased, but (laughs) 27 almost years in marriage um, to Chris and we moved to um, this Tennessee area, the Nashville, Franklin, Tennessee area, um, to further his Christian rap career. He was um, a Christian rapper, and um, we moved down here for the record company and to further that career, kind of take off and do great things for God. And um, instead, we sort of crashed when their contract got dropped, the group, and we found ourselves not really sure why God had brought us to Tennessee. And um, during a season of waiting and just 
joining where God was at work. Um, we found ourselves working with an urban ministry in Franklin and out of that ministry, seeing people of all walks of life join together, um, really embracing the gospel in a fresh way. We felt God calling, um, a church plant. And so, um, in 1995, which is crazy to think that's almost 23 years ago, but we planted Strong Tower Bible Church in Franklin, and um, now our church is located in neighboring Nashville, and it's just a beautiful church of um, people of every race, of every denominational background and culture, and out of those 23 almost years now, um, this writing surge of the last few years really came forth, just embracing the beauty of God's diverse kingdom, worshiping together on Sunday, seeing families who look different from each other racially, and um, really wanting to pass those nuggets of truth and and gospel to our next generation. So that's really where my writing career for children really got launched, was, was the combination of being a mom, but also being a bridge builder in this multicultural church. Sure. And I think what is typically common, at least historically, is that when you are looking for a church, you try and find churches where the people kind of look like you and act like you and talk like you and think like mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you feel most at home a lot of the time. What are you seeing as congregations are striving to be more diverse and open-minded and just aware of the various needs and perspectives that exist in the world? Because God created it all. So, so aren't right. those, all of those valuable to us? Yes, that's right. I am seeing some things that are encouraging and some that are discouraging. Um, and I'll start with what's encouraging. I'm seeing pastors, particularly white pastors, who are coming into an awareness and are saying, what do we need to do differently than what we've done before? Perhaps our church has had a great track record of um, what we felt were missional outreaches, you know, locally and certainly internationally. Um, but we're realizing that we've, we've missed the boat on what it means to lean into racial justice. And so they're really becoming learners and students. And that's super encouraging. Um, I think what's discouraging is there are still so many uh, pastors and congregants who are saying, well, you know, what, what does all this race talk have to do with the gospel? Mm. Um, or let's just, if we just, you know, if, if we just embrace Jesus and preach Jesus and the cross and sort of, you know, as if that's sort of a magic potion, just sprinkle that over the world and everything will be okay. Um, and, and so those of us who've been bridge building for years are yearning and are saying it's a hard work. It's a worthy work. It's a holy work, but it's a hard work. And so, you know, how do we lock arms with people who are really, wanting to lean in and growing, realizing their awareness is growing, realizing what they don't know instead of assuming that they do know. Um, and there's always a remnant who are, are leaning in, who are saying I'm, I'm adopting kids of color, or I'm realizing that it's more than just having a friend of color and saying, well, Hey, we've got reconciliation because I've got friends or Mm. adopted kids or, you know, I'm doing this or that. That's great. But, but what does it mean to realize there's still so much I don't know and there's still so much brokenness around our racial identity and what do I need to be doing to be proactively um, anti-racist and a part of the solution instead of turning a blind eye or a colorblind eye, I would say, mm-hmm. and say, well, there's not really any problem going on. And the thing is, I know personally in my own life, it will take a lot of proactivity on my part to introduce 
this discussion to my own life. It is not readily a part of my day-to-day existence. Racism and this type of conversation is not something that just comes up all the time that I'm facing, that I'm feeling every day Mm -hmm. besides the sadness that I feel when I watch the news and I see, you know, these stories that are just so heartbreaking. So I want to recognize if this is not a topic that's currently on your radar, it doesn't mean that it shouldn't. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. so no matter whether you are a white family like me, whether you're adopting biracially, whether you are multicultural, whatever you are, we need to have just more perspective and more discussions with our kids. And I'm sure what you've seen, you can speak to this is adults that have not been raised with this idea that it matters to them. Right. And so when we're, we're raised in a certain lane, we have these narratives in our head that are so deeply ingrained and rooted in us that it's hard to rewrite them. It's real. It's an uphill battle. And so to start yes. with our kids, and you've started with a children's book, I want to have these conversations with my children now, not so that they're confronting these discussions and trying to open their mind and expand their ideas of, of who to love and who to respect. Are you kidding me when you're an adult? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yes. so what would, what would you say to that? Why a children's book? Tell me about the role that these conversations can have starting young. Well, as a mom and my children are, are much older, but I, I recollected when my oldest was a little guy, a toddler, and was just beginning to form words, his first words were about colors, you know, mm-hmm. about the colors outside. They were about the color that he wanted to wear in a shirt. Um, we, of course, were teaching Bible stories and were you know, seeing the colors in creation, you know, the blue sky and, and look at the color of the cow and look at the birds that God created. And, um, and as Af- an African-American family, you know, we always place an intentionality, um, when we, you know, we're lotioning our children's skin or at this time of year, applying sunscreen on their skin, um, you know, fixing their hair and, and the, the uniqueness about our ethnicity and, um, with daughters who have, you know, who are wearing makeup or, you know, buying their own hair products now, you know, we're looking in the aisles for things that are specifically made or catered to, um, our, our skin color. And so for a family of color like ours, those are regular conversations. And I felt like as a bridge builder, who's also had those conversations with white families adopting, Mm -hmm. um, asking questions about what hair products to buy for their children. Um, I've even had a lady, a stranger come up to me in Costco and ask me at the checkout line about my hair. And it was kind of humorous to me. And I answered her question and just thought, well, Hey, this is a teachable moment for her. But then I walked away thinking that's kind of sad that as a stranger and obviously welcoming, I'm glad to answer your questions, but do you not have anyone in your circle, you know, that you can mm. ask questions about because you have a black child and you're trying to figure out what to do with their hair? And so these these conversations are critical, just like conversations about the colors of creation, the color of our skin and celebrating God's handiwork are critically important conversations to have at foundational levels with young children because as parents, we understand the messages we're giving them as young children are going to carry them through their life. We're giving them a file folder, essentially, just Mm -hmm. like we do with, for instance, um, talking about sex, you know, as we're changing their diapers, we're bathing them and talking about um, how God made their body and reminding them about 
um, you know, the good touches that we give as parents when we're assisting them and as the doctor, you know, examines them, but also warning about inappropriate touches. You know, all those foundational things we teach when they're little, the same way we need to be intentionally talking because seeds start young. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the enemy, as we know, is seeking who he can devour. And he's not um, a respecter of age. He's not saying, well, I'll wait until they're teenagers and then I'll start throwing messages at them. No, 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 no. Our society's messages are going to come at them um, when they're young. And and I have young preschool kids at my church who are, are told awful things about, I don't play with brown people. You know, preschoolers mm-hmm. are having those those awful conversations and they're learning that from somewhere. And so we've got to be proactive in this conversation. And, and, and my book in, in using children and using a grandmother and using a teachable conversational moment, I hope as a model to just open up the dialogue and just to say, Hey, this is maybe an opportunity for you to begin and then continue in many other ways. I love that. So the book is called colorful. And what I really love is not that you are trying to turn a blind eye to the differences that exist. Sometimes we think, oh, we just need to focus on the commonalities, right? And so sometimes we teach our kids that aspect. But what you're really talking about in this book is not to turn the blind eye, but to value our differences. And yes, there's common ties, and we can talk about those in addition, but just as God made different colors of flowers and different colors of the earth and the animals are different colors, all of these things were all made unique and perfect and beautiful according to his plan. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and, and it's all beautiful because Mm -hmm. it's all God's work. And, and as I read and reread, I mean, I've been reading the Bible since I was old enough to read, you know, being raised in a pastor's home. Um, but I was filled with such delight as I looked at the Genesis narrative with this colorful lens that, that I give in the book and just thinking, wow, when God said, let there be light, you know, who doesn't appreciate the gift of sight and the opportunity to appreciate the light of Mm. a sunrise and the beauty of a sunset, you know, what gifts those are. And, you know, when he said evening and morning, the first day, and then, you know, the waters were separated and, and the oceans were formed, you know, all of these beautiful embracing of color that was God's intentionality are opportunities all the way up to let us make man in our image. You know, Mm -hmm. all of that is an opportunity to show our kids piece by piece intentionally that God's work in creation and creating color included our skin color, included your skin color and your Mm -hmm. friend's skin color and our neighbors and, you know, our friends at church and on and on and on to just use those as opportunities to seed God's truth and God's intentionality as something to be celebrated. I love that so, so much. And so do those conversations need to start proactively before it starts coming up? What age do we start these conversations? And what were kind of some of your experiences with your own children as they started to face feeling different or receiving comments themselves? You know, that's a great question. And for me, with my children, those conversations were um, a part of our daily life. Um, I'm thankful that my kids grew up in our church in Strong Tower Bible Church, also in um, my older two grew up in a wonderful school community in their early years, New Hope Academy, that's intentional about 
um, embracing, you know, a multiracial church, uh, uh, school community rather. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so between our church and their school opportunities, they were, um, around multiracial community. And that was a beautiful, um, looking back. I'm so grateful for that because they knew from the time that they, you know, were playing with kids on the playground and, and learning Bible stories together at church that, um, they had friends who were white. They had friends who were tan. I think my youngest daughter called white people peach, which was was really <laughs> sweet to me that she thought they're peach. You know, it's not really white, it's peach. Mm. And so, um, you know, asking them open-ended questions, I did that with my kids growing up. Um, I remember my youngest uh, first noticing language differences when she went into preschool. She qualified for a special um, preschool because she had a language delay being a preemie and, um, unbeknownst to me, most of the students that made up that preschool that had language delays in this particular school district were, um, kids who spoke Spanish. They were Mm -hmm. Latino. Mm -hmm. And I never forget her being in the bathroom and I was helping her, um, as she was using the restroom and a mother was next to us talking in Spanish and her eyes kind of had that look, you know, that look that a preschooler has where it's like, what is that? That's different. And in the car, she said, why did they talk funny? Mm -hmm. And I was excited to answer that question because I thought she did as children do. They assume that if someone's different from them, that the other person is something's wrong with them because we normalize what we know. And so I was so glad to be able to say to her, they don't talk funny. They speak a language. It's called Spanish and you speak a language and it's called English. And that was, you know, an opportunity, her first opportunity in a, in a, a everyday environment to hear, you know, she'd heard other language, but it was, it was in her ear all the time. And I was so glad to use that as an opportunity to talk to her about difference and, and to use it as a teachable opportunity. And that's what I did in Colorful, was use a teachable opportunity. And so that's what I would encourage parents to do is take advantage of teachable opportunities. You know, if you're on the playground with your kids and there are kids of other races and you see your child looking at another child, um, and maybe they're not around children that are different from them very often. Um, and so, you know, putting forth intentionality to find where, where are play areas where they can be exposed to other kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I have friends who drive across town for their children to be in sports leagues that are multiracial. So, you know, that's the intentionality that they, want to put forth so that their kids are intentionally interacting on a regular basis with kids who are not like them. Um, and so other kids aren't, they're not other, they are my friends. Mm -hmm. And so that creates, um, an an opportunity where they see difference as normal and not as what's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and when they do, kids are going to ask, questions are going to blurt up things are going to sometimes say things publicly that make you cringe. I know mine did when they were little and you go, Oh my gosh. But instead use that, you know, they're curious and they're thinking critically and we encourage that. So capitalize on that, take advantage of that and, um, ask questions that get them thinking, um, that get them pondering what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, um, maybe even what's uncomfortable for them. Or if they're a little older, even bringing up experiences that you're having or something that you're reading or, um, you know, their, their movies and, and book projects and, and extracurricular, you know, um, festivals and so many opportunities that you can place your family in intentionally that will create conversation and will create questions that lead to intentional dialogue. And, um, I think that's just a part of everyday life for families. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that combination of intentional conversations, like reading the book Colorful and then talking about it and asking them questions about what they think and things, but then also using teaching opportunities in the context of real life um, as they come up. Because guaranteed, they're going to have questions that you didn't think they would have or they would think Mm -hmm. that way or something. You're like, "Uh, let me think on that one for a second. Hold on. And you're not always going to say it right. But I think when we come at it rooted in love and respect and and putting it back on them, Mm -hmm. asking them, well, what do you think? You know, seeing Mm -hmm. where they're coming from. When that's the base, you may not have a perfectly canned answer for the multitude of questions you're going to get on any topic for your kids. But but really, if it's rooted in love and respect and open-mindedness, and you're not going to go wrong. You're really not. That's right. That's exactly right. And Uh I, I think sometimes as parents, we, in our attempt to do things right. I mean, goodness, this is the most important job that we have is, is what we are seeding and training into these children that God has entrusted us to. And, and certainly, you know, I'm speaking as a mom, but I think this absolutely applies to aunties and uncles and Mm -hmm. grandparents. And, you know, most adults are influencing children, um, especially if you're in church community, um, as well. And so, you know, we want to do it right. We want to have the right answers, but I think not focusing so much on, oh my goodness, I need to have all the right answers and say everything correctly. I think just what you said, it's okay to say, you know what, let me think on that. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to think about that before I give you an answer. Cause I want to make sure I answer you well. So let me think about that. And we're going to come back to this conversation in a little bit and then go do some research or go pray. Or, um, you know, I, I also encourage parents, you know, become a student yourself. You know, there are so many resources and books and wonderful, um, you know, podcasts like yours, Uh, so many opportunities to learn and to grow in this area. If you are realizing that you don't know, or you have just had limited awareness and God is, is raising that up in you, just like Peter's experience in Acts 10, where he was still separating the Jews and the Gentiles and God literally gave him an awakening moment in that vision of Cornelius of, of the sheet and, and leading Mm -hmm. him to Cornelius who as a Gentile was praying and God wanted Peter to be that vehicle, but he also needed to break some barriers down that Peter still had after walking with Jesus. And so, you know, I think the humility of realizing I, I, there's so much, I don't know. There's so much I need to learn. And then beginning that journey and sharing that with your children, like, What a great example for them to see in us as parents that we are students, that we are learning, that we are reading, that we're, you know, watching movies. If it's not a children's movie, you know, whether something like Selma or, you know, there's just so many great Mm -hmm. works that have come out over the last few years. Um, But but applying yourself and then sharing your journey with your children so that they see that, you know, my parents don't have to know it all. They are learning just like they're encouraging me to learn. And what a great heritage for our kids. Oh, absolutely. I had an experience a couple weeks ago with my eight-year-old where we were out somewhere and he overheard an adult making some comments about a certain segment of society and making generalizations and being quite disrespectful and rude about this group. And mm. and I didn't really, I mean, I didn't know what to do in the moment, but I thought, oh gosh, he's my son is hearing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. so... Please, I was planning on revisiting it later, but literally as soon as we got in the car, he's like, gosh, so-and-so was really being harsh about those people. Like, mm-hmm. you think they're all like that? I'm like, oh my gosh, no. Like, 
what did you think when you heard? He's like, that made me like sick to my stomach. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm so glad you were that sensitive to realizing how hurtful those comments could be. And, you know, what could we do or say next time that could help in that situation? And then we were able to brainstorm because in that moment I was caught off guard. I was overwhelmed and it's hard to speak up sometimes, but I, I want to be more equipped myself. I want my kids to be more equipped. So then when we have those teaching moments, I'm so glad we can do better the next time. I'm so glad. That's right. You know? I love I love how you handled that. You know, being being aware in the moment, you know, it's hard in this society with with so much around us, so many distractions. It's mm-hmm. hard to be tuned in with our kids when we're with them, you know, whether it's in the line at the grocery store not being distracted by right. something on sale right there or a magazine or something. But when we're when we're paying attention to what's around us and we can't always control um you know, when we're in a, a setting like, like you were, where you overhear mm-hmm. something. Um, but to be able to use it as an opportunity, not to shame the person who spoke, because right. unfortunately, you know, we've all had those moments where we have also spoken out of, out of ignorance or out of pride or out of not having proximity to people, you know, what have you, but to use it as an opportunity to teach him and to, to, to reaffirm that he, um, not, do what he, what he saw, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and, and that's just a great way to just approach these difficult conversations that a lot of times we don't have because they are awkward and we're uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but there are lots of conversations that are awkward and uncomfortable, you know? Um, but, but that doesn't mean we don't have them. You know, we take the task of raising our children seriously and we lean into it. And so, you know, that's a, five minute conversation, but boy, the reinforcing that you give, you know, pay such dividends into what it's sowing into his heart and, and helping him, um, you know, be prepared to be a a difference maker and someone who champions people. And so I love that. Yeah. I could not agree more. And I think as humans, sometimes we're just so prone to think our job is to change other people, right. And change Mm -hmm. their thinking and Mm -hmm. teach, teach them better. And, but really, that's not it at all because you don't have any power to change people. You know who you can change though is you and you know, who's watching you, your kids, right? And so when you really start within the walls of your own home with the people that you have immediate impact on who are watching you, do you have any biases? Do you have any misunderstandings? Are you ignoring anybody that is being marginalized or disrespected? Look twice at those things and think, how can I think or speak differently or do differently? Because your kids will will emulate that way more than you just saying, oh, be nice or don't say that. That's mean. Shutting down the behavior is not the same as emulating great, respectful, powerful behavior. That's right. That's mm. exactly right. Amen. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of questions lately, actually, um, from parents about this, so I know that the they're really wanting and desperate for how do I teach my kids about this? We have a lot of um, parents of children with special needs on the show too. And it's the same thing, you know, seeing kids with differences at the park and what are the right and wrong things to say and how to deal with those mm-hmm. awkward questions. But curiosity itself is not the enemy. It, That's it, exactly right. It, it's shutting it down and it's perpetuating rudeness or disrespect. That's, that's the enemy. That's I right. love it. That's right. So this book, Colorful, that is just so beautifully illustrated. And is it, when you saw the book, was it what you thought it would look like? And what was your impression when you first got it in your hands, Darina? Oh, my goodness. I, I'm so glad my husband 
was able to go with me and video it. So oh. if anyone wants to see my raw reaction, <gasps> they can go to my, you know, Facebook or Instagram. Cool, and look. Cool. But when I walked in the door, I, you know, I'd planned to meet my editor and, um, I, the night before I, I couldn't sleep because I just, you know, I just thought, Oh my goodness, I'm going to see it tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just, it's hard to even describe how excited I felt. Um, but when I walked in and she handed it to me, I, I was overcome with joy and it, the book was more beautiful than I even expected. And, and that sounds silly to say, because, you know, she had sent me all of the, you know, the proofs and, and I literally knew what it was going to look like. It wasn't like I had no idea and it was just, oh my goodness. But, you know, it has this wonderful, um, sort of glistening effect on the the bubbles on the outside of the book and just looking at it over and over and over. I, you know, I looked at it all day. I put it on my night nightstand, um, that night because I knew myself and I knew I would probably wake up in the middle of the night going, is it true? Did I really get to see it? You know, did I really get to handle it? Um, I mean, it felt, it felt very much like when, when I had my son, minus the labor, of course, but, um, yeah. you know, that first sight of this is someone that I've been, you know, looking forward to meeting and, and they're here and I can hardly believe it. You know, that's, that's really how I felt the elation and just the joy that God was faithful to take these, these seeds and these thoughts that I had that I wasn't even sure if it was, you know, something that would connect with people. But I just kept feeling this prodding that God gave this thought to me and I need to let him take it to fruition. So to see the final product, just, you know, it was just all, all the feels, all the emotions <laughs> balled up in one and just so much joy. Amazing. What is your hope and prayer for this book now that it's out in the world? My prayer for Colorful is that it is a seed, um, that it is a seed planted in the hearts of children, um, that it's a seed planted in the hearts of their grandparents and their parents and their aunties and their Sunday school teachers and their friends, um, that it is, that the beauty of the illustrations and the unexpectedness of the approach that I give to embracing color, including our skin color, that that all wrapped up just be a delight, but but a, a specific and intentional opportunity to celebrate not only the colors in creation and in bubbles and in ice cream that mm-hmm. I incorporate in the book, but also really a celebration that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and that God made no oops in any of our skin color and where our history has been painful with, um, you know, white supremacy and, 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 you know, demeaning, um, people of color, not only in this country, but even in other countries where, um, you know, one skin color was more esteemed and the other was, um, was more inferior that, that it be a worldwide, um, celebration that God made us the way that he wanted us to be and that we celebrate how he made us and that we celebrate when we see the other people's skin different than ours, that we celebrate them as well. 
Mm, I love that. Thank you for creating this beautiful resource for moms like me who are desperate to raise children with this awareness and this level of compassion and understanding. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's a joy. It's a real joy. So on a personal level, just speaking to Darina Williamson, as a black woman, as a mother of black children, can you speak to this question? What keeps you up at night right now? What is your biggest struggle and what do you want people like me to know and understand about where we're at in our world right now and and what what's keeping you up at night? Mm. Well, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I have teenagers now. I have a daughter that's about to head to college. My third child is just graduated from high school. Mm. And when I continue to see um, the tragedy of not just school shootings, but just, you know, shootings in general, you know, in the last few years, you know, we've had, you know, shootings in movie theater and, um, you know, um, of course, Mother Emanuel, a family in Charleston, you know, South Carolina. Nice. Um, but, you know, closer to home, we had, a, you know, the Waffle House shooting just a few weeks ago. Um, I think today, as you and I speak, there was something else at a middle school, you know. Um, my kids go to public schools, um, but also my siblings that, you know, went to private schools, you know, 20 some years ago were, you know, experienced school shootings there. So there's really not a place um, in our world that's um, protected from from that, and um, and so that hurts as a mom, um, and I I have to fight against feeling fear in this society that when my children are away from me that I cannot surround them in protection, but I have to lean on the reality that's been true through all the ages that God is is omnipresent and that he is faithful, um, as a black mother with black daughters, um, simple things like going to buy makeup or going to buy hair products. Um, the nearest grocery store to where I live in Franklin, Tennessee, the last I checked didn't have hair products for, for black hair. Mm. And so small things like that, um, that some of our white families who don't have kids of color may not have to give a thought to, but those are our everyday um, realities when my daughter's preparing to go swimming and, you know, oh, I need to get some, you know, some hair gel and Mm. the nearest grocery store doesn't have um, a section for black hair. Um, And then I go to a city that's more urban and I did an Insta photo of like literally a whole row in Target, a whole row had more black hair care products than I'd ever seen. And I felt like I was in Disneyland <laughs> and it was exciting yeah. and disheartening at the same time because I thought, boy, I have to, you know, come to another zip code, another state to see a whole row in Target that's full of black hair care products, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are things that my friends who are more aware or, or, or in proximity to families of color or who have adopted kids of color. Um, they, they say, I feel you sister. Um, you know, when I post about band-aids in target that are flesh toned with darker skin tones and, and I have friends going, yes, I'm so excited. And then you have people who go, wow, I've never given that a thought because nice. band-aid colors were the colors for white that was quote unquote normal. Um, and so those small little microaggressions that, that impact, um, kids of color. And those are, 
are hard conversations that we have to have with hugs and just nods and just, yeah, this is our reality. Um, that, that latter part doesn't keep me up as much as, you know, the gun mm-hmm. violence that affects all of us, but combined together, um, it certainly keeps me reminded that I've got to stay on my knees as we all do. But, um, but just also there's three ex- that we we do have to concern ourselves with and just mm-hmm. um, stay on top of and stay aware of and stay super affirming more than just knowing who they are as daughters of, of the Lord, um, but also reminding them of their beauty as black women in a world that doesn't always um, affirm that in small ways like access to hair products or makeup ease in, in the closest grocery store. Yeah, thank you for that perspective. You're right. Those are some things that I don't have to consider on a day-to-day basis. And I just think it's so (laughs) helpful to be aware of what your day-to-day looks like. Just as, you know, you could ask me what's keeping me up at night and there'd be things that maybe are not on your radar, you know? And so I just think Mm -hmm. it's so great to just have these conversations, just be a little more aware of what everybody else is going through and just doing their best to be a mama, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Darina, this has been such a thought-provoking and rich conversation. I hope everyone will go pick up your book, Colorful. It is a beautiful, thought-provoking, and fun, delightful, cheery book um, that doesn't feel super heavy, like, okay, kids, we're going to have the race talk, you know? It just <laughs> it just invites the spirit. It invites a spirit of love um, and, and understanding. So thank you. Thank you so, so much for that. I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Mm. Oh, I've never been asked that, but mm-hmm. that's such a great question. Oh, how, how much time do I have to answer that question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. I would tell my pre-motherhood self that you're not going to do this perfectly. Um, you're not going to do everything the right way all the time. And that being a mom is not, um, a checklist job. Um, but it's a high and holy calling and you will be more dependent than you could ever imagine on the the grace and the strength of the Lord. Um, but you will also, um, be blessed beyond what you could imagine. Beautiful. Thank you, Darina. Thank you for writing this book and thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me. It's been a joy. Yes. Have a wonderful day. You too. Wasn't that such an informative, enriching conversation? Oh, Darina was so wonderful and I'm so thankful that she took the time to come on the podcast. If you are looking for some children's books and she now has a new one coming out as well to cover the topic of race with your kids, check out Colorful by Darina Williamson. I'm going to link to it all on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com so you can pick one up today. It is such a great conversation starter. Like I said, with my kids, it has been so enriching and just a great conversation piece um, as we try and cover this topic with them as young people so that as they grow and their minds are being formed about these ideas, that they grow up with an accurate picture of what different mean in this world and how beautiful it truly is. 
If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessica.dahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. This coming Friday, we have an episode where I'm covering a topic where I solicited you guys for your responses on how you view yourself as a mom. And I'm going to share some of your responses about your viewpoints as a mother. And then I'm going to share my thoughts when I heard those things. And I'm also going to share my view on myself as a mom. So much of how we behave as a mom is based upon our thoughts, and our feelings about motherhood. If we can really clarify what those thoughts and feelings are and make sure that they are accurate and productive and healthy, imagine our motherhood. Imagine our life. If we can clear out all of the gunk and the junk and the inaccuracies, we can do that. We have the power over that, and I'm going to cover that on Friday's episode. So be sure you're subscribed. Please leave a review if you're loving it. Hey, if you love today's episode or you'd love another episode, will you screenshot that episode and then share it on social media? Be sure to tag me at JessicaDalkwas3. I love seeing that you're listening and that you're loving the show. I worked so, so hard producing every single episode. And when there's just crickets on the other side, I wonder who is listening? Are you loving it? Who do you want to hear from? The more information I have, the better I can make this show for you. So let me know which episodes resonate with you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, everybody. Be sure to subscribe. Click that little purple button underneath the title, my name, and then the subscribe button. Make sure you're subscribed and leave a review if you haven't already. Even if you just leave the stars and short sentence on why you love the show, that helps so much. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.